0: A very important piece at theconversation.com caught our eye the other day. It's entitled, Dying to be Seen, Why Women's Risk for Heart Disease and Stroke is Still Higher Than Men's in Canada. It's co-authored by our next two guests. Jackie Gehagen is a full professor and associate vice president of research at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax. Shannon Grant is an associate professor and registered dietitian, also at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax. Sir Gehagen, Jackie. Good morning, and welcome to our show. Good morning, Sterling. It's good to have you with us. And Shannon will join us in just a second. There's, uh, uh, Shannon's on the line too. Shannon, thanks for joining us. Good morning. <laughs>
1: Good morning. Thanks, Sterling.
0: Well, it's very timely of you to make it just under the wire there, Shannon. The the Heart and Stroke Foundation, uh, ladies, has a tremendous ad campaign going on. Uh, Last night, we were watching the hockey game, and it came on during the game, and it features a series, a collage of women speaking directly to camera, one of whom says, I went to the hospital not feeling well. They sent me home, and I had a stroke three hours later, and I was pregnant. And another woman Mm -hmm. says a similar horror story about... She was basically uh, neglected, overlooked, and went on to have uh, a heart uh, situation. And my wife, Carol, turned to me at one point and she said, you know, it's true. So why is it true? Jackie, let's start with you. Why is there this imbalance? What's going on?
2: Well, I'd say there's a couple of key issues to keep in mind, Sterling. And I think first and foremost is treating women like men. So, in terms of symptoms or diagnoses, we know that women's symptoms are more subtle and often can be misdiagnosed or, or perhaps in some instances, um, considered sort of an emotional issue rather than a physiological issue, hmm. such as um, someone who is re- really really um, suffering from a heart attack or having symptoms of a heart attack and having those go unrecognized. So that's a huge part of the the conversation, part of the
0: problem. Okay. And Shannon, does it matter that a lot of the physicians that these women are seeing with their heart conditions are in fact women?
1: Um, At the end of the day, I really think it comes down to like, like a comprehensive assessment and ensuring you make space um, for people to communicate their concerns effectively. Um, and I do believe that healthcare providers are, are aiming to improve always in terms of the way they ask questions, listen to their patients. But I do think we have a long way to go to be inclusive, given the diversity of people that make up our country. Mm-hmm. But I do think the points you brought up, really, I tend to I tend to describe them as a perfect storm. And um, Jackie's touched on a couple of key issues, but I'm happy to speak to you more if you want to ask about them
0: well you talk about two-thirds of the research that's been done on this whole file has historically ex- excluded women as participants mm-hmm. even so yes. again this is, this goes back i would imagine to the beginning of intensive research into heart disease
2: Absolutely. So we know that research funding and research priorities have historically not included women. So women who are having menstrual cycles, might be coming pregnant, et cetera, have been historically removed from clinical trials. And that means Absolutely. we're basing a lot of our Um, diagnoses and treatment on the male model and that is a that is a significant problem the other piece that's really important to keep in mind sterling is not only the exclusion of women from clinical trials but also women's historical absence from research funding decision making so in other words who's actually looking at gaps in data and if it's not women saying hey just a second here if women are being systematically excluded from the research what does that mean for our health outcomes when it comes to heart and stroke absolutely okay shannon i'm
0: sorry Completely
1: agree No, I completely agree. The birth control issue is a prime example. I've worked in clinical trials for over 20 years, and um, until recently, women were often excluded if they were on birth control, if they had, you know, hormone replacement therapy, etc. And we do know that the hormones are a key component of the um, increased risk we see in women, especially at older ages, as they mature and become more seasoned.
0: So hormone uh, therapy is a very customary or fairly commonplace in terms of women, especially as they age. So, if women are are uh, undergoing some kind of a, a hormone therapy protocols, have they been automatically excluded from research because they're they're on something that may uh, adversely or influence the outcome in an unknown way?
1: Well, it really comes back to I think the idea of um, you know traditionally things that might impact the research question are excluded, and uh, birth control pills are my. My favorite example, because they are a hormone replacement. Yeah. They are a hormone that impacts um, women's metabolic system, etc. Um, but we do know that oral contraceptives, especially high-dose estrogen or estrogen only, can increase your risk of blood pressure, blood clot significantly, especially if you have other risk factors such as being over 35, have migraine, etc., so um, it's a big issue. I agree with Jackie completely.
0: So Jackie, what? Uh, let's just move this forward a little because you, it's a very good article that you two have put together. It's really worth a read. I commend it to my listeners, and I'll recommend. I'll give you the title again in a second. But let's move forward on this. How does this get fixed? How does and this? It's this an excellent campaign going on by the Heart and Stroke Foundation. A lot of Canadians are going, wow, didn't know that. How can we fix it? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a really great question, Sterling, and I and I agree with you that Heart and Stroke has done an amazing campaign, and hopefully it will increase people's awareness, both uh, you know just the average woman on the street, but also healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. So a couple of kind of key, concrete recommendations include we need to see more research and research funding on women's health broadly, and that would include women's heart and stroke research. So that's a I think a doable ask, uh, and something that I think we need to consider. The other thing that is really important is how we are training the next generation of healthcare providers mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. really important. They need to hear this message. They need to understand when they see a patient in front of them, what does that mean in terms of their, of their relative risk for heart disease or stroke? And we know the data, the data are there, and we need to actually make sure that that finds its way into clinical conversations uh, and how we actually provide training for the next generation of healthcare providers.
0: Anything else to add there, Shannon, at all?
2: Um, Just to reiterate, the key component
1: is assessment, making as much time and space as as we can for patient or person voice so that we can get to the bottom of any issue. Cardiovascular disease, because it is a silent killer in many cases... um, needs that type of attention Um, and especially because women traditionally because of you know conceptions or perceptions of how women who are stressed out or that have concerns or might seem you know agitated they tend to be labeled as or not heard or you know overstepped. So it's important that we make time and space for them to express their concerns.
0: Yeah, according to the report and you mentioned this in your article, women are generally unaware of their individual yeah. risk and risk factors and are often therefore underdiagnosed and obviously undertreated, right?
2: Mhm. Yeah, there's a really important thing to keep in mind as well and it's uh, in the, it's in the existing data, but we know that fewer women are likely to get into cardiac rehab. So even a woman who mm-hmm. has been diagnosed and treated for a heart attack, um, they are less likely to avail themselves of cardiac rehab. And that mm. is also an indicator of a subsequent heart uh, heart attack or mm-hmm. um, poor health outcomes following a heart attack. And so we need to also look at the gendered component of why it is that women having had a heart attack are less likely to get either referred to cardiac rehab or less likely to be able to utilize cardiac rehab. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important issue we can certainly deal with going forward.
0: Professors Gehagen and Grant, Jackie and Shannon, it's a terrific article, Dying to be Seen, Why Women's Risk for Heart Disease and Stroke is Still Higher Than Men's in Canada, friends. It's at conversation.com. It is a very worthwhile read. Thank you both for this this morning. I hope to have the opportunity to do this again. Thanks. Thank, Thank you so much. Take care.